0: Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends to the House of the Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Joe Pavlansky, and with me as always is the maestro of Mail Order Mysteries, Eddie Guevara.
1: Thank you, thank you
0: hi <laughs> thank you eddie all right <laughs> today we also got that uh that famous horror magician that we all know and love chuck caputo what's hey, up chuck?
2: all right
0: all right and joining us today is our uh our good buddy and returning guest you all know him michael mesmer michael what's up
3: hey i'm really excited to be with you guys today again it's been a while
0: yeah no kidding man uh, well we'll get into how everyone's doing and what everyone's been up to and um you know, just kind of a uh a uh I guess a warning out there. If if me and Chuck happen to disappear, you know, you guys have to go on with the show without us because we got some severe weather heading our way during this uh this recording. So and I, I lose power so easy here at the house. Uh, just a brief little win and boom, everything <laughs> everything goes down for hours. So if we happen to disappear, then you know that's what happens so yeah. hey we'll we'll get on with uh with everyone here and see what's been what's been new and uh how everyone's doing and uh you know what michael we're it's been a little while what's new with you brother
3: well i've been on tour in texas and um been working on i just uh premiered a new escape that i have been working on um that i call claustrophobia and um which is kind of appropriate because tomorrow is actually the anniversary of houdini's birthday um Matter of fact, on Sunday, the Society of American Magicians is having an all day 15 hour event celebrating uh, Houdini. And um, so it's kind of a Houdini kind of week right now. But yeah, I've been working on that. I also. Uh, and we could talk more about Houdini, which would be really cool in a while. But also, uh, I have been nominated for a Rondo this year, which I'm very excited about. All um, right,
0: congratulations!
3: Thank you. Yeah, it was for my two part article on of monsters and magic in issues 121 and 122. Congratulations, buddy! Thank yeah. you. Yeah. In fact, I'll have to get guy- information to you guys. I need your vote, so I'll have to get you guys my information. Yeah, give but me the
2: information. We'll put. Mike I- we'll I
3: already.
0: I already put you. I voted. Uh, about two weeks ago i I, two weeks ago i think or last week and i already put you down so you got my oh
3: thank you i have no idea who nominated me but what an honor i mean there's guys heavy there's heavy hitters in there i mean uh for instance in the category i'm in for best article um you have um katherine lay scott who was on dark shadows writing about an interview she did with david Hennessy, who was the little the boy david on dark shadows so you've got heavy hitters in my category so I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. It's, it's really an honor and really exciting. For those that are listening, the Rondo is sort of equivalent to an Academy Award, but for monster and horror fans and movies and media. So it's a big thing and uh, very, very exciting. Thank you, Joe, for vo- voting for me. I so appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. And for, you know, for people out there that are wondering how they could vote or, or what they are, if you just type in um, Classic Horror Film Board It'll you know, the the website will pop up and it is the third one down. It'll say Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Award. So you just click on that and there will be a form uh, uh, subsection there where you could uh, just copy and paste the ballot. They give you instructions on how to fill it out and who to email it to. It's very, very, you know, when you first look at it, it might be intimidating because there's a lot of stuff there. But what's nice is you don't have to vote for everything. You could pick and choose out of there what you want to vote for, and you could just copy and paste it right into an email and uh, send it off with your name, and your vote will be counted. So it's it's very easy, and it's on the uh, classic horror film board. Yeah, and I and, and I'm again.
3: Oh, yeah, and I'm so excited because it's rare. I think I, I really, truly, I read a lot of – I've been reading since Famous Monsters, Joe, as you have too, and all these, and I don't recall ever seeing an article that was as thorough or even had – the topic of the magic in the monster movies and who provided it, who, prese- who taught them, the actors, the whole thing. It's a 10,000 word article combined. And uh, I even had, I went to Max Maven, who's a very famous mentalist at the Magic Castle and around the world. But he's a historian on magic. So I even went to him to get additional information to pen the article. So it's, I think, the most extensive article on that subject, which is amazing, really, in the history of all the uh, Monster Magazines. Awesome. Very good. Yeah, it was definitely, I
0: remember reading a great, great, great article, a lot of information. And, um, you know, if you guys haven't, you know, read the article yet, definitely find those issues. You could find them on mymoviemonsters.com, the back issues. And Mike, real
3: quick, once again, what issue numbers were they? That's issue 121 and 122.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah, they definitely have all the, the back issues there. So make sure you guys pick it up and, and check out the article. So if you definitely. want to read them, you know if you want to read them before voting, you know pick them up. They'll they'll ship to you uh, very quickly. I think voting ends.
3: Is it April first? Something like the first week in April. Yeah. So yeah, definitely do it before April first.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Mike, if For some reason i don't have issue 122 is because uh, joe failed to send me one yeah. oh. <laughs> so well, blame him you know
3: well for you either any of you guys if you, if you message me for you guys only i will send you a copy of my original manuscript if you'd like to read it oh, yes that would be cool. yes yes yeah so just message me okay, okay.
1: let me let, that's fantastic guys send it to me if you got my email
3: yeah, I'll I'll or I'll text message it to you the link yeah. cuz it's a WeTransfer transfer download so I'll just send the link to you and you guys can download it, okay?
1: Okay. Awesome. Now, now, one thing I wanted to mention to you Mike, uh, that article I did read uh you know, I remember the first part which is in the one magazine and I remember trying to get to the second part which I don't remember actually getting the magazine. <clears throat> courtesy of somebody but uh, anyway the thing i just wanted to let you know is
3: it was a fantastic article man i really oh thank you well it was it's a a labor of love and i think that's why probably it got nominated because i really put my heart into that one
0: awesome very cool now do you got any any upcoming articles mike for scary
3: monsters or any other magazines Right now, I've been busy on my book. I think we talked a little bit about that last time, but I've submitted now the manuscript to the to the publishers. Uh, it's going to be coming out, though. It won't come out till next year at this time, actually, because of their queue of all their books. But that's the Ghost Transfer, A Hypnist Among the Spirits. And it's going to be about a 70,000-word uh book and it's about all my ghost adventures and ghost hunting and even about my grandpa when he was in the coal mines and mysterious things that happened to him before I was born so it's going to be a really cool book but we'll talk about that one down the line awesome yeah I can't
0: wait to read that 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 sounds really really cool man and yeah uh, yeah hopefully yeah definitely when that comes out we will we'll be talking a lot about it so cool all right awesome it sounds like you you've been busy so Chuck what's what's been new with you I'm sure you've still been busy with uh Shows and all that. I know. Last time we talked, you said you were getting inundated with, you know, you know, shows because everything's starting to open up now. So, still, still doing the same thing.
2: Yeah, very good. Yeah, you know, I've been doing a lot of shows. You know, uh, I've been, I've been doing a lot of traveling and so forth. As a matter of fact, the shows start back up Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Yeah, so you know, I keep it very busy, and I'm also building a few things in my spare time. Uh, For those of you who do not know, uh, Robert Houdin was the father of modern magic, and I'm working on a replication of his, uh, pastry chef, uh, oh, wow. uh, you know, like stage illusion, but, uh, but this is a tabletop version, but it's actually kind of cool. If you guys actually search Robert Houdin's pastry chef is it's, it's uh, what it is. It's a little chef. It's a mechanical house. And, uh, basically, you know, I just wind it up and I just step aside and the front doors open up and there's a little chef that comes out and, and he has a tray in it. And so from a little menu, like a spectator chooses, you know, you know, like a specific French pastry and they like put they uh put the, I put the order on his tray. He uh, goes back inside the doors close and then a light comes on inside. And from one of the side windows, uh, I like, I actually with a rolling pin, you know, like he's uh, rolling out the dough and so forth. It's wow. like, it's like really cute. And then the doors reopen and then he comes out. Uh, and, and on the tray is, is the selected pastry. So it's, you know what, it's a very complex item, and I've been putting it off, like I had it about half built for over a year, and I'm finally sitting down, and I'm trying to get this thing built. Uh, so once I am done, I will I will put a, a, a video on. It'll probably take about another month at least because there's a lot of work and a lot of uh, design that goes into this.
0: Wow, that's, that sounds cool. Hey, Chuck, I got it. You know what? I don't think we, we've discussed this before, or if anybody's asked you now, because you build a lot and you're always, you know, making stuff from scratch. And a lot of our, our magic kits that, that we put right. out here, you, you have built from scratch. Now, do you have a separate, like, room at your house where you, you know, or just have it dedicated to, you know, the stuff that you build with all your machines and equipment yeah,
2: and all that? Yeah, yeah, down in my basement. I... But you know what? It's it's not as, you know what, it's not as fancy as you may think. I mean, I just have a little table saw, a little uh, disc sander, a, a drill press, you know, a, a coping a, you know like a vice type of thing you know what it's not as it's not as complex as you might think but it gets the job done and, does uh, it
1: look uh, Does it look like a grandpa's uh, dungeon in the monster? Yeah, yeah I guess we gotta get it. <laughs> we're okay
2: with that. At a point, you with... gotta have all those,
0: all the spark. You know, when you're down there building it, you gotta have the spark going, <laughs> and you know the Jacob's ladder going, yeah, and you all that. that.
2: <laughs> and once in a while,
0: you gotta look up to the ceiling and go, "Ah, yeah. <laughs> it's alive!"
1: You know yes. What,
2: <laughs> you know what? The Jacob ladders are so cool. Speaking of that, I actually built one a couple years ago. Did it's you really? Battery. Yeah, the runs on battery. You know what? Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, these are all usually made from a, from a neon sign transformer and it's DC powered, but I built one that's out of battery and it's, and it's a really cool man. You know, like the, uh, the power will go up between the two rods and it's actually powerful. You know, it's powerful enough where you can light a a cigar. It's it's, wow. It's, It's on YouTube, if you check Chuck Caputo's Jacobs ladder, you'll see. I'm
0: gonna tell you what, Chuck. I, I need one of those. So when I go to the cigar lounge and
2: that would be cool,
0: says, Hey, how are you gonna light your cigar? And I sit down the Jacobs ladder and I have it. A-
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I got about I got about seven nine volt batteries wired wired in parallel, so that'll oh wow, yeah. So that'll tell you the amount of voltage. That, that'll burn use. the whole cigar in one shot. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs>
3: Yeah, how really. One How long do the batteries last, Chuck?
2: You know what? Not too long. Uh, maybe if you, if you run it maybe for like five minutes and turn it off, like there's a little switch that I have on it. It's uh-huh. almost, almost like a lever switch. Uh, if, you, if you run it for a while, maybe 10 minutes, and if you turn it off and maybe put it another 10 minutes, you might get a half an hour out of it. That's how much it does. Uh, you know what? It actually burns a lot of juice, and the batteries do get a little bit warm. And I actually put, uh, you know, what I actually wired uh, resistors in there to help. Oh know, wow! So, so the current, but the current's kind of kind of limited, but yeah. You know, but it's still gonna it's still gonna burn a lot of energy. You know what I mean? But it's a it's a cool it's a cool neat thing. I always admire the Jacob's Ladder. Oh yes, the Frankenstein uh, movies and so but, forth. Does it but make any
0: noise? Any like? Kind of, yeah, kind of. Does it? You know, what, check, oh, you check
2: it out on YouTube. It'll it'll actually crack. Okay, it's, it's all it's all battery operated. And my son's an electrician, so he helped he helped uh, make sure I did everything right, so it doesn't catch anything on fire. I always get his. <laughs> I always get his second opinion when it comes to stuff like that (laughs) oh yeah
3: are you marketing that
2: no i just i just put one together myself okay you know you know what sometime in the future you know what if i do build one you know like an extra one i'll definitely let you guys know well
0: by the way i
2: I was gonna tell you i've been watching
3: all the videos of the stuff you and and eddie are putting together boy that's cool stuff
2: oh well thank you thank you yeah i really enjoyed
3: the videos the videos are cool. And you know what's nice about those demonstrations is that any age can really perform them and enjoy doing them.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. One
1: one of the great one of the greatest marketing for Jacob's Ladder, if you ever do decide to make it, is you got Joe to light up his cigars, and the best part, since it burns the cigar in one shot, it limits cancer in people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got got to. Yeah, (laughs) Joe, you'll make a fortune with it, Joe.
0: Yeah, one puff and my cigar will be gone. I said, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I look cool while doing it, so that's all that matters. That's right. You
1: you hey, should actually do one in light, and then we'll put it up on the website.
2: Hey, I did watch uh you know what? I did watch a classic movie. You know what, since we're talking about old time stuff, uh it was the original Phantom of the Opera from 1925. You know what? Like I actually sat down and watched the whole thing from front to end. Wow, what an awesome movie.
0: That's I mean, one of I... my I tell you, that's one of my all-time favorites. I probably watched that two or three
2: times a year oh my man. goodness what what a face man when that woman you know when the mask uh the mask off of Lon Chaney oh my goodness he really come up with a neat looking face that he distorted uh to make that look on him wow That was unbelievable. Well,
3: and it was a painful makeup too for him. I mean, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You know what? That's what I've been hearing. That he uses fish line and all kinds of things to wrap around his face and and wire
3: wire around his nose and everything. And um, yeah, it was it was very painful. Lon Lon was an amazing guy. I mean, the thing I loved about him was. That if there was a call for a certain kind of like if uh, a producer was doing a film and the casting people were saying we're looking for pirates, well he'd show up at the audition looking like a pirate. Isn't so yeah, so that's how he got a lot of his early start in the business from vaudeville to going into film because he would literally make himself fit whatever the that's whatever a, the extras right, yeah. or the, yeah. Boy, so, what a
2: what a talent what a talented guy. And I tell you what, I thought they did a really good you know a version you know what because i think they did a better version you know than even the modern ones because if you read the original book by Christopher row i mean they actually they a room with the mirrors in it which you know is very seldom seen like in right the, in the more modern ones i mean it, it was really neat it is can neat
1: can that face compare um to the one we have one of our celebrities in one of our magic tricks called the gathering that's <laughs> almost <laughs> what it looks like too. <laughs>
2: I love the look on Joe. That's uh, that's it, pretty good. Anyway, so, Chuck,
1: I got a question for you. That rolling pin you got there is it dual use for that little uh, rubber houdini? Uh, <laughs> does it have dual use?
2: No, it just it just it just fits in his hands and there's a well, little screw that holds oh, it down. That, that,
1: that's a shame because uh, I was hoping you could work in a better version. You see, I have two things. I have one. So certain individual, I didn't get issue one twenty two. Yeah. and then there's another guy who puts things in the post and then that certain individual finds it before anybody
0: and then he gets it all for free
3: so no. i kind
1: of want to use it for both of them if you know uh-huh. what I
3: mean.
0: put it put a little miniature of me in there and it comes out all battered up <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> hey chuck uh-huh. i want to ask you a question yeah. when you approach building this this animate anima, or automaton um Did you find the original plans in a particular book, or did you just are you do your did you watch it or see photos of it, and then just create your own methodology for building the prop?
2: Yeah, I would go with the second one. You know what? Uh, no, th- there are no plans that I know of. You know, but there is a guy down in California, John goth Right. You know. You know, like which I'm sure you know. He, he, he. I think at one point he had the original, or he actually, uh, uh, you know, built his version of it. So I actually seen his version. Oh yeah. You know what? Uh, so once you watch it from the outside, but you know, like what it does and everything, you know, I can kind of sit down and attic. And so ah. I can, yeah. So, so, you know, so, so I could say, okay, this, this guy has to come out of the doors. The doors have to open, but they have to close as well. So there has to be some type of an elastic type of thing that's going to pull the doors closed, you know. Yeah. So, so I basically sit down and I and I I just you know come up with my own schematic. You kind of reverse the, engineer it. Yeah, yeah. It does take a long time to do it. You know what I mean? And you know, uh, but then when oh, I yeah. built the house, you, you know, like uh, you know, like the house itself, the pastry chef, uh, you know, the bakery is really cool because I built it all from wood wow yeah and I did actually find a picture of the original one on the Robert Houdin books the one from Christian Fechner right right and so I actually kind of copied from there as best as I could and so I said actually uh you know you know cut out the pieces on my little saw and sanded it wow and and everything yeah so it it looks pretty cool I mean I think it it turned out pretty good you know what uh you know strangely enough Michael things like that you know like when I sit down and I it kind of is almost like therapy to me you know what it's kind of relaxing how, how long
3: did it How long did
2: it take to, to build it? From well, well, to, well, well, the outside part, like I said, the actual box and everything, probably about three weeks. And then I had the proper motors and the servo, you know, that were laying inside of it that I untouched. sure it was untouched here. I didn't play with it, like I said, for every year. And I got it back out about a week ago, week and a half. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to quit making excuses and I'm going to sit down and try and finish this thing as best as I can, you know. So that's, wow. so, so, so that's pretty much what I've been doing for the last uh, week and a half. That
3: is really? so cool.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, well uh, what I was going to say, I'll add to what I was going to do. Uh, I know, Joe, I kind of jumped you there from introducing me, I guess.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ladies I, and gentlemen, Eddie Guevara.
1: Eddie. <laughs> The whole thing is, I was going to tell you, I let me know about that manager Joe to insert in there. I'll have it made professionally, you know?
0: Um, <laughs> he sure had <laughs> it real, big, mar- look. real big muscles and long flowing hair. And <laughs> um,
1: I was going to say, it was kind of funny. I want to bring this up to you guys. I emailed already all you guys are, or text a, an image of a house. It's an old Victorian home. Uh, I'll tell you a little story, but it was kind of interesting. We came. I came across yesterday, I was taking my wife over to uh, a doctor's appointment, and I drove by um, what is Englewood Hospital in Englewood, New Jersey, and I noticed just up ahead, about a block and a half, there's an old Victorian house. This is like out of the 1800s, and it's been there for some time. I remember seeing it a while back, but I, I forgot all about it, and I... I passed by and it looked like it was empty. So I said to my wife, "I gotta take a picture of this. I, I need to see what the address. What's the deal with this property? Because it looked like abandoned or something. Hmm. Perfect haunted house." So then I, I find out that the house was built in eighteen sixty something, and it's there, and a couple of famous people have lived in it. But it was bought out by some synagogue, and it was hmm. used. Uh, in, in between to fill it with uh, audiences, not audiences, you know, with people from the me- you know, meetings, whatever they had. And um, after a while, uh, I think the city declared the house dangerous, you know, so it, it, it said not to use it for anything. So it's just standing there. And now there is a group of people raising funds and they've raised 75000 They need $150,000 they're going to lift it off off the property and move the entire house two miles down the road. Whoa. And they're going to replant it and I guess turn to some type of museum and all that stuff.
2: Isn't that cool?
1: Well, the immediate thing that came into my mind, because it looks kind of like the house when you go House of the Unusual, the original website I had that had the dark black house like that. Yeah. It looks like that. And I feel like asking them, hey, i like to put you in my show. I'd like to try to get some funds raised and stuff. Oh. In exchange, I would like to take like pictures of the property and stuff to use it for props. Because it's. let me tell you, the house is phenomenal. I sent you guys a picture to see it. This is really right out of the, the horror books. Wow. Or, or haunted houses. And this thing is it's beautiful, man, really beautiful. Um, like I said, you guys have a picture so that you can get an idea. That's what's been new in my area. Also, um, Chuck, I thought it was funny. I just put up this week's uh, Tomorrow's uh chuck uh not tomorrow the day after friday morning's chuck's corner mm-hmm. and i got back whipped by a copyright infringement i was like what the heck
2: mm-hmm. and
1: i'm looking and you know what it is chuck you know when you have that it's the oriental magic video yeah you have the music with the gong in the background oh yeah yeah that came up as copyrighted so i had to change the music
2: you change the music okay
1: doing free but that was interesting because i was like what the heck isn't that
2: something Yeah,
1: it's funny how uh, YouTube automatically knew who wrote the song and all that stuff. What's Um, amazing. And it's something you just got off the air. But anyway, that's the other thing that was funny. And then the other thing is, oh boy, the more I think about it, it's it's amazing uh, to see how much there there is people out there, like for example, the audiences and stuff that we could have and I need to work on in getting the correct audience for our YouTube channel. Uh, As you have known, I was actually not aware of it, but we've been broadcasting on the podcast to people between the ages of 45 and 62, and that's 85% of our audience. Our YouTube channel has been uh, the ages of 35 to 42, which is technically not our audience. Hmm. Um, Not for the novelties and monsters, because none of them would probably even know what monsters are. The, uh, the the it ha- it has been growing due to the fact that Mister Chuck Caputo has been so nice and generous to put up all those Chuck's Corner, and it keeps getting a couple of hundred views every week, and that's due to the fact for the magic. Magic, of course, is through all the ages, from the very young age to old. Everybody mm-hmm. knows magic, not when it comes to classic monsters and collectible novelties. So that's something I need to to fix, you know, going forward, which I was kind of working on last night a little in running ads to generate, you know, the audience we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And we will probably grow like crazy. But that's what I got to say, Joe. So go ahead, Joe. Take the next step.
0: All right. I tell you what, that, that house looks really – looks cool. They It would be cool, I think, to turn it into, you know, a haunted house. You know, that, oh, that, my you gosh.
3: Like oh, yeah. yeah that would be cool.
0: Because that is – that is really cool. It looks something almost like an Adams Family or Munsters yeah. or type house. Well, Joe, if
1: you think about it, since I, I read in the online article that they're hoping people can help out and stuff. If I actually approach these people in person and say, hey, here's what I like to do. Is it possible to use it as a back? I'll help you guys. I'll do because a- I know a couple of people that do fundraising. We'll do a GoFundMe type of thing for it. You know, provided that we not only get the credit, but we get the use of the unlimited thing for the property. Because I got to be honest with you, it's gorgeous, man. <laughs> if you pass right in front of it, I have another picture, but my wife kind of drew uh, drove pretty fast on it. The house is phenomenal. It's exactly wow. right out of the books of the Adams family or or the monsters. It's wow. it's nice, man. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, that that's that's really cool. That would be that'd be interesting to to do something like that so but yeah hey uh did you guys get a chance to check out on the forum the um some of the novelties that i've been i've been posting
3: did
0: any guys get get a chance to see them
3: no, no i, uh, I haven't no. where were they posted they're under
0: if you go onto the forum they're under the um
3: mail the, call. with
0: the mail call yeah the mail call section
3: I haven't so, seen them. I'll have to take a look. So what happened
0: was our buddy Todd, he – a couple of weeks ago, he bought a uh, – I guess he bought a, a lot of uh, mail-order items because they had a C. they came with a Sea Monkeys – I think it was a Sea Monkeys item that he, wow. he really wanted. So, But he had to purchase the whole lot of different stuff. Sure. So all the other mail-order items in the stuff were kind of like – um i guess like sex novelty type oh wow uh, <laughs> the, the 50s and 60s so i i was going through it and i was just i was cracking up so much just going through a few few of these things i, I mean they're absolutely hilarious so i said i you know what i said i'm gonna post every now and then uh two items on the forum site you know you, you never know when kind of like you know, when you would order the mail order items, you didn't know when it was come, when, you know, yeah. how long. So I wanted to do it something like that. You don't know when I'm going to post them on there. Oh, I'll
2: check it out. Oh, that's yeah, cool. Well,
1: Here's the best part. Mr. Todd put a, an article there in the morning. Uh, and that's why I need the rolling pin. And he's giving away whatever it is in the box. And so happens Mr. Joe happened to be in the forum before anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and, and guess who got him? So, you know, well, the MB and, uh, ooh, I said, wow, man. Don't yeah, I just
0: happened to. Yeah, I actually just happened to log on to the forum. I think it was two minutes after he posted it.
1: Right. So if I had a rolling pin or you know whatever uh, to take care of that matter for the future, uh, so here's just a
0: description <laughs> of of a few of the items that are that are posted. So if you uh, you got kids out there under the age of eighteen, you might want them to uh, put the ear. Uh oh. Uh oh. But so the first the first two I put up. The first one is uh, how it's. It's just a yellow box, and it says, how do you measure up? And then on the inside, it says, official pecker checker. And it has all these holes <laughs> in it with, you know, yeah. Big oh Daddy, gosh. the freezer, uh... the Joker.
1: <laughs> the Japanese one killed me, Joe. Don't yeah, there's
0: a, the, the lady figure made in Japan, and it's like an oval. Then there's the, the <laughs> teaser, which is really small. And then there's another box, and it's, it, you know, just says happy birthday and all that on it with some candles and you open it up and it's a a pile of fake poop (laughs) Uh, that's pretty good oh it was great so then i posted i posted two more the other day and you got to really see these to to appreciate them so the next two is like i said these are very these from the 50s and 60s and these are very uh sexist and, and adult themed and all that and you know they they're a product of their time definitely but they're they're absolutely hilarious so the next one is bikini for men and it's this you know 50 year old fat guy on the cover with this smirk on his face and two women oogling at him with bikinis in the background and you open the bikini and it's this thin material and it's in the shape of the testicles and penis to put it in for lack of a better term on on you know how to describe it and then it has all these you know it says hawaii on it nasu atlantic city uh, <laughs> so it is a uh it's a bikini for men and then I,
3: I'm, the, I'm blushing right here listening <laughs> to this
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't forget this is all from todd the guy
1: the guy who writes uh i can't say the words all with his instructions yeah and then he I tries the to, about to say that it's a different time, you
2: know? I love the art. You know what, Joe? The artwork on the covers are so cool, man. I always oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. fantastic.
0: Like I said, I, I, was, I was dying. just I was dying <laughs> looking at these. Even oh, the artwork cool. on the front, like this next one, the electric gum massager. And it's got a picture of, you know, this 50-year-old guy with, you know, no hair. And he's got a bow tie on. And he he's got this big huge smile on his face and this girl pressing him into her chest and this other girl looking on and with the smile and i'm thinking okay what what the heck what the heck could this be you know electric (laughs) gum massager I i could only imagine
2: you can only imagine
0: so i open it up and it is a it's a small pair of there's, they're supposed to be breasts, but they look—they look weird. I—I I, I don't know. I guess that's what they're supposed to be breasts that you plug in, and they just kind of like vibrate. So they're—they are the gum massage. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, so,
1: okay. uh, Joe. One thing I wanted to mention <laughs> with all that: a lot of people are not aware, but I know that Tom, Tom—I mean, Mister Doctor Saab there—would be crazy about most of those items were either made by Fish Love. Or they were made by a franco american novelty company
2: yeah, yeah franco Especially, a lot of
1: and, it, so. and one of the the probably Mike and, and Chuck will remember even more there were three other ones I don't know if I, if, Joe, if you know Todd sent you those among the crowd, but one was called the French Birth Control, and it shows a guy like a Frenchman in the front cover kind of holding his mouth and then when you open it up, it has a guillotine. <laughs> Oh, oh wow yeah. i think i, think I remember the, seeing that pecker, one
2: years
1: you know? ago yeah for the pecker and then there's one that says polish pistol and it's basically a pistol and the barrel is pointed backwards it's
2: backwards i remember that oh
1: yes. yeah yeah and then the, the funniest one too that a lot of people it's got to be from the time zone people that are hillbillies and stuff and i know about this because i did grow up now grew up but i was born in cuba in a farm and i can attend they put a, a corn cob, just a cub, and it has an uh, electrical outlet coming out. Yes. Of it. it's called electric toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh,
2: there's some great, some great play on words, man. Yeah, yeah. There's there's quite a it few, runs.
1: but most of those are Fish Love,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: L- Lovecraft is another thing company that all I think. Became, yeah. Um, I forgot who they became. D- Dave Harvest, I would know the company, but mm. and it also became. Uh, Franco American, some of those things.
2: Yeah. Franco, Franco carried a lot of neat stuff. They really did throughout the years. Wow. But yeah, Joe, you have
1: a little good collection there, my friend. Some of those do pretty good. And if you were to sell them individually,
2: yeah,
0: I, you know, I'm still kind of debating if I want to to keep them or not or or give them away or sell them. But I, I'm having a blast. They are just, oh, yeah. Really funny, man. You you guys got to check them out on, on the site. Go to the uh, the form on uh, and everyone else there. Oh, them? Them. Don't yeah.
1: don't don't sell them, Joe, because they're very cla- I mean they're classics from the time that will obviously never be sold again. And I can tell you I bought one when I was a small kid. I have a couple of them, Joe. I'm only kidding when I was saying about you being on the site before me, but
0: Uh-huh, um, sure you were. Well, now I mean, you want to do
1: them over. over. I, I have most of the ones you have there. I, I think except for the pecker one there, the uh, how to measure up. I think I don't have that, but uh, I might've had it in the past and I think it got mm-hmm. burned in my fire. But yeah. one thing I'm going to tell you, especially about though, I had one that I still have actually men condition. It was called the adult pull toy. And what it is, is it's a bed. Now this thing is about a foot across by like, t- it's pretty big by 10 inches huh. and and it's a little bed. And then when you, you have like the head of a man and woman on the bed, under the sheets and when you pull it it has wheels and it goes up and down up and down like oh that. i remember
2: that i remember that that was you remember cool. that it's called
1: yep. the pull toy <laughs>
2: that was pretty neat i love the way joe i love the way uh, joe said hey this is a, a guy a, about a 50 year old guy with no thinning hair and so forth you know <laughs> yeah. that doesn't sound too old anymore joe because i'm yeah, no. now, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, i man. know but
0: yeah that's i, I you know, Chuck, it's, like it's funny you say that because you look at some of the stuff and, and, you know, you guys are a little bit older than me. I'm, I'm almost 42 and I look at some of the, you know, you look at these classic movies and... Oh, they seem
2: so old. They, seem, yeah, so they old. seem
0: so old. And then you look at them and they're like in their 30s. And you're like, I started
2: in their 50s. I'm like, yes, you it's know, amazing. The, it's amazing. The one. Okay, thing so it's, not was, just,
0: it's, it's not just me. Because I'm like, well, maybe I just look, you know, no, no. for my age. But then I'm looking at this guy, you know, from the 50s in the movie. And he looks like he's in his 50s. And oh, he's like yeah. 36. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> you, you, you know, it's
1: kind of funny what you're saying with those things. You ever seen the cartoons, especially from... Uh,
0: the pink Panther and
1: stuff where the guys tend to be skinny on top. Then they got a slight pot belly and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what's sad when you start looking in the mirror and you start resembling those cartoons and
2: you're oh, like, wait yeah. a minute, man. Oh yeah. The older you get, man, you're built like a who, you know, from <laughs> yeah. who'sville. Yeah. You
3: who'sville. know, I I always thought that Karloff always looked
2: old. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he,
3: definitely. he had the older looking face. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, what when, he, was, he, when he, you watch him in the
2: black cat or any of those oh, early yeah. films? He looked old, but he wasn't. But he no, looked he old. old. Hey, how about some of the old ballplayers, And for, you know, the old time. Oh, bird. yeah. My goodness. You, you know what? I'm out here in Pittsburgh, and I think Smokey Burgess, if I'm not mistaken, he was a catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, you was. know, I mean, he, he had a big gob of chew in his mouth and everything. He looked about, yeah. <laughs> he looked about 50. He was like 24 years old. I know it. Unbelievable. You, you
1: know who's a good one for that, too? Uh, Babe, Ruth. Babe, Babe Ruth. Oh, yeah. Had, always looked older. He did. Never looked like any. You, you know,
0: yeah. Well, he also had a diet of you know hot dogs and hot dogs, cigars yeah. and beer. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how old did he? die? Well, I, I always I always heard a, a good saying that you know about Babe Ruth, and I heard this years ago, twenty years ago. Or so they said, you know what? Some of these these newer baseball players they have to do, they have to hit all these home runs and everything on steroids. Babe Ruth did it with hot dogs and beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: How old
1: did he die when he died? Does anybody know? Not offhand.
2: I know he died of throat cancer, strangely enough. I believe it was throat cancers. So uh, so that's from the cigars, but I don't know the age.
3: Yeah, him and Lon Chaney both.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: Lon Chaney, Chaney, the man of a thousand faces, you know, I got to admit, though, that makeup, like you said, Mm -hmm. I think that one of the best photographs I've ever seen of Monsters is the Phantom of the Eye. Even though among collectors let's be honest, among collectors, very few people buy Phantom of the Opera stuff. It's just like, we I was talking to my to Dave Harvestad the other day, because he was like, hey Eddie, you ever consider selling something like, you know, we brought up the idea of selling like The Mummy. It's a big size post. And I said, he goes, there were so many sequels to it. I said, yeah, there's so many sequels, but I think it's a hard sell. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Joe, you, Chuck, Mike, all of us would say, hey, that's a nice Frankenstein. Let me buy you. Let me buy the Dracula. Right. But if you see the Wolfman, or you know, you might buy the creature. Like I said, everybody, I've always told everybody the creature has a very odd segmented cult following. Yes,
3: it does. Uh, yeah, they it's pay a crazy amount. Fanatics out there for
1: it. Yeah, but the Wolfman, man, I got to be honest with you. They're, they'll buy long chainy stuff, but you know, it's, it's like out of 10 people, one person will say, oh, I have a life size Wolfman or something, you know? It's not that many. And right. the Mummy, even though they've made... And I told him, I think the reason for so many sequels on The Mummy, and Joe, you're the expert, and so you might, you would be able to say, in my opinion, is because it's the least that you can copyright. You know what I'm saying? Like, The Mummy has any any type of face. There's not particular likeness. So people can get away because mummies are just... The, you can't trademark the name. You can't copy. So maybe that's why they've made so many sequels. While The Wolfman... Uh, They've made a sequel or two about it because that's between all the monsters. The only family that has not profited or made a lot of money for has been the um, Long Chaney family for some reason. And they never really protected their stuff, just like Houdini. As much as Houdini did during his lifetime and he tried to protect all his stuff and he was against anybody infringing on him. When he passed away, I guess the wife didn't really know how to do that. And, like, Houdini's used, to, like, worldwide. You can't even – you can use his image on anything you want. There's no uh, thing, like, if you use Frankenstein or you use uh, Dracula, you're going to run into legal Well, problems.
3: the thing about it is that with Houdini, they, they didn't have any children or anything. So I don't think they were concerned about after they were gone, perhaps. But, you know, with the Cheneys, I will tell you that I actually – uh, there was a big lawsuit with the Universal Studios and the Cheneys, the, the Legosys and the Karloffs all band together. Of course, Bill um, um, Lugosi Jr. was a lawyer. That's what he did for a living. And oh, so, wow. Yeah, and so I, I've met them many times, all the family members, and I know you had Sarah on your show too, at, uh, Eddie, but um, the deal is they, they band together, they did a group lawsuit against Universal, so what you'll see is a lot of times, you will see the Glenn Strange Frankenstein image a lot used, like even at the parking lot at Universal, but if they're going to use any, anything to do with Lon Chaney Jr. Anything to do with Lon, with uh, you know the face, their actual face and makeup, then Universal has to pay a fee. And that's why a lot of the action figures don't exactly look like the the Lon Chaney or the Lugosi or they don't look like them because they choose to go with one that doesn't look like them so they don't have to pay the rights. But actually, the Chaney family now gets the same cut that Lugosi and yeah. the Karloffs get. I, I right. think
1: that they, they were the last ones to go on board, I think. Yes, I think. that's right. But yeah. but the thing about the whole thing is that at the same time, Universal lost so much in sales. The moment they didn't have the characters look like <clears> throat> them. Throat>
3: that's right. They
1: caved into a lot of that stuff. Um,
3: yeah. But,
1: but, you know, like, for example, when you say the Wolfman, you know, and all that. Like I said, it was because there was not too many family left, but. With the mummy, you don't have that because that's right. is is Sarah Karloff. You know, she, of course, she has her father was the first mummy, but there's been so many mummies after that. Um, And it it goes back to a lot of things, like a lot of times also when things are in the public, not in the public domain, but when somebody copyrights an item and then that person sells and it never gets questioned 20 years later, it's hard to stake a claim by any company and say, hey, a good example, say, um, the Jack Davis Frankenstein uh, was is one of the items that was put out very famous and stuff. And, um, you know, I would say probably 25 years ago, I made my first reproduction of that poster and never got questioned on it, sold it for 25 years. And then 200 other people did as well. Yeah, Th- that's a poster that today no one really can stake a claim on. Well, Vampirella. Actually, stayed on un, unpublished. I, I should have hit it before they did, but the people that bought Warren Publishing's reissued it again. Yes. See, if, if if I would have done that before they reissued it, and they wouldn't have said nothing because if you guys remember, uh, when Forrest J. Ackerman, I guess, or, or James Warren sold the rights to, I forgot who was the guy, then he got boycotted because yes, he with uh, and then he sold it to somebody. You know what I'm saying along the road there. When you start using something over and over and you don't get questioned and there's 10 people doing it, you go to a court of law and you try to say, hey, that's my item. Well, how come you never said nothing? It's just like right now, House of the Unusual is a trademark. If I stop using House of the Unusual for more than six or seven months at any given time, somebody can actually take it on me. I can lose that trademark.
3: Wow. You have
1: to always have something with the trademark on. That's why if it's Coca-Cola or whatever it is, it always has to be active. You cannot have a trademark inactive.
2: Wow. Um, I, oh. <laughs> well, a,
1: a good example, Dave Harvest that owns uh Houdini Cologne. And I'm like, hey Dave, I'm surprised you didn't really get a, a he says Eddie, something needed to be done. So he had a perfume made. It's it's being sold out there. But the point is that you always have to have something to back up your trademark.
0: I the, see. The clone that makes women disappear. Yeah, there you go. No, it's
1: actually, it actually puts women in bondage. Yeah, yeah, like in
0: forever. Hey Eddie, you know you were you were talking about the uh, you know, werewolves and all that and I just happened and you know, thanks to our, our good buddy Todd, you know, who posted on the forum, the uh, Adventures of Superman number 487. <laughs> uh. So if all you you boys and girls have your your comics handy out there, grab this issue and it's, you know, it, it Definitely tugs at my heartstrings because I love Christmas covers and, and on comic books. Oh yeah, and, and this one is with um, you know, this mean looking Santa on the front and Superman standing behind him with the uh, uh a Santa cap on. But I tell you, what's really cool about this issue, and you know, Eddie, I'll, I'll let you discuss the uh, what's what's in this issue that we're we're kind of oogling and ogling over.
1: Uh, stupid man comics. <laughs>
0: The adventures of Superman. What do we have in this issue? That Oh,
1: the adventures of... Oh, I thought you said stupid. I swear I, I heard stupid. <laughs> I go, wow. I'm trying to think what... That's... Uh, if you're trying to say, I know Ski came across an ad from the old Fun Factory.
0: Was and, that here? Uh, what I knew- oh, that was Todd.
1: No, that's actually Ski. And Ski wanted uh, to know if I knew... But obviously, he was just joking around because he wanted me to send him a signed copy of the Fun Factory. And here's what the thing is with the Fun Factory... As the story goes, in 1989, I had opened up a magic shop, which was called House of... It was actually P&E, House of the Unusual, but it was called P&E, House of Unusual, not The Unusual. Uh-huh. And that because I had a partner and we opened up a magic shop. But after the thing was broken up, I changed it over to House of the Unusual, because every time you told somebody HouseofUnusual.com, they would always say The. So I, I said, uh. you know what? Instead of that, I'm going to change it to The. So I... I got the trademark as House of the Unusual, and then the Fun Factory became House of the Unusual. And one of the reasons that happened is because when the Fun Factory was started with Lou Weiss back in the 1969, and it ran for several years to about 1980, um, it went as it was going belly up later on. There was like an auction sale. And the guy who owned the Fun House uh, which is that famous ad that sold one million dollars in U.S. banknotes for fifty cents, oh, and it yeah. was out of North New Jersey, and it was called the Fun House. That owner was Jack Aboff. He had actually purchased the rights to the Fun Factory, at which case he contacted me and Lou after the ad came out in uh in that particular article of Superman or in DC Comics. I believe was the year ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, uh, ninety three. It was supposed to be the February issue, but it went on sale in mid-December. And what happened is, uh, with what was it, 92, you said, Joe?
0: Yeah, it's marked February 92. But like you okay. said, you know, they're always a few months ahead. Right. So yeah, yeah. It was, December, so I, yeah.
1: Yeah, it came out like December 91 into 92, give or take. And what happened with that is Jacqueline contacted us and said, hey, you know, you guys kind of are using Fun Factory, blah, 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 blah. So he was asking, can you give him? So we said, no, we're not going to do that. So I decided <laughs> to change it over to House of the Unusual. Uh, in which case, of course, Jack Bavoff and every mail order legend has passed away except for Lou and, and Craig. And, and that basically why the, and you know, the fact that I already had House of Unusual, uh, it didn't, I mean, work fine, by changing it to House of the Unusual. And that's the story, the fun factor. And then the last, one good thing that a lot of people don't know is the first company that ever ran a co- in a comic book ad, and I think I've mentioned this before in previous shows, is, was the Johnson Smith Company back in 1928 or 38 when they appeared in Action Comics, the first Superman. The ad in the back was the Johnson Smith Company. The Fun Factory was the last company to ever run an, a novelty ad in comic books. And, you know, you can look at the, You can go actually Google this and you will find out the last ad you will ever find in a comic book that dealt with novelties was actually 10 years after, because it it ran in 92. And the last one prior to that was 84 or 85. Wow. So I I can say that. And like I said, I can challenge anybody. They can, uh, you know, prove me wrong. But the last ad, and I was told by Bernie Slotnick, who had been working in DC Comics as their ad guy for, gosh, probably 40, 50 years. And his daughter, daughter, actually, niece, was the one that did... um, uh, Rich, not Richie, what do you call it? The Archies. And, oh, wow. Yeah, her name was, I think, Susan Burkitts. Or something. She made a lot of appearances in the Howard Stern shows, and he would call her Susan Berserkowitz. That was actually the <laughs> niece of Bernie yeah. Yeah. But the, the point I'm trying to say, now I'm not saying, um, I, I know that his niece was the one in, in Archie, because I spoke to her when I was trying to run a full page ad in Archie's, because uh, Archie comics are the only comic books, I think between 19... 19- eighty and nineteen eighty four you will only see the digest in supermarkets right oh you yeah you cannot find a comic book anywhere
2: no I remember that uh, yep
1: yeah that was a time that I tell people they weren't I know they were still being sold I don't know where maybe in, in, in stores like Starlog and stuff like that in New York City that been around forever but it wasn't sold in your local comic book store or there were no comic book stores between that time and then of course wrestling magazines came around then there was a big surge of comic book uh, all over the places and stores opening up and the VHSs. But the thing is that there was a a lack. Now, that ad, the one that I ran there, you guys will notice that it has all the classics. And one was the Seven Foot uh, uh, Ghost. And by the way, the person that put together that ad was uh, Bob Levy. Now, Bob Levy from Filer and Levy in New York City was an advertising agency. The guy's now passed quite a few years ago. Uh, he passed around the same time as Bob from Franco-American Novelties. Uh, the owner passed away around the same year or so. And what happened is that that guy and Lou, prior to meeting Lou, he's the guy who started the um, American Circle Corp. And that's the other famous mail order ad from the comic books in the 70s. Oh, I remember. Yeah.
2: I, oh, I definitely. I, yeah. yeah. You had, right, the you had I them on that. house.
1: Yeah. Well, you had a couple, uh, Chuck. You had gandalf products you had l bar which were right. a little in the early 60s mid 60s and then you had Johnson smith which was always around honor house mm-hmm. became popular in the 70s yeah and you had american circle corp and they yeah. basically pro- proliferated all the comic books they were in every one of them and if you look at fun factory when fun factory came in and in that time as well you'll notice a lot of the artwork are similar between Fun Factory and American Circle huh. because it was actually ran by the same person. Oh. Was, yes, Lou Weiss owned the Fun Factory and American Circle was owned by another guy who later moved down to Florida and started a hotel business. But the the guy who did all the ads for it was the same Bob Levy. Uh-huh. And he had a partner a, a named a Sven. Like he was a French guy. Not Sven, but Sven.
2: Spend oh, yeah.
1: He's a nice person. I met them in person. Uh oh. thanks to Lou Weiss. He took me there. I was in a couple of meetings with them. Phenomenal people. And that's where I got my original American Circle Corp. I, I started looking towards oh, yeah.
2: hey, those original ads were those original ads were great. I remember I, I placed my first order. Oh, I was I think I mentioned this in a prior podcast. I was five years old, nineteen sixty-nine. Wow. Yeah. I bought the Seven Foot Ghost. I bought the uh, uh, the color changing handkerchief a ball vase and a few other things it came to like maybe four dollars or something it was and i tell you what i was so excited man i couldn't wait to get that stuff up. oh yeah <laughs> hey guys i,
0: I want to uh, step in here real quick because we got about 10 minutes and i, I want to make sure that we we get at least a little bit of this covered like mike said in the beginning is is that uh tomorrow march 24th is the anniversary of harry houdini's oh, yeah. uh, birthday so this podcast which is really cool actually be coming out on the, uh, the 24th. So I want to make sure we spend uh, a few minutes here talking about, uh, Houdini and you know what, Mike, I'm going to turn it over to you and whatever you want to, uh, discuss about, uh, Houdini for his, his birthday. We got about eight minutes or so until we start wrapping it up. So the, uh, the floor is yours.
3: Oh, well, um, I have always, always loved Houdini. Uh, and there's many reasons. I mean, one of the great things about Houdini that a lot of people don't realize is that uh you know he was born uh, in a poor immigrant family and yet he became the greatest star in arguably in show business history. You have to think about this. Houdini died October 31st, 1926, almost 100 years ago and yet people still know his name just as if it was Christina Aguilera or if it was one of the current stars. They know, you know him. Yeah, you, you know, know what it-
0: I what, what's funny is because I was just thinking that when when I was young and like I said I wasn't into magic and the people I hung out with weren't into magic but if you did anything where you would you know screw around with your friends making something disappear you're, <laughs> I'm Harry Houdini That's I'm right. Houdini. <laughs> everybody right. knew Houdini even if you weren't a fan of magic or. Even if you've never seen him read a book, you knew who Houdini was. He was a well, household
3: name. That's right. And and even the littlest kid will raise their hand to this day. Um, and the great thing about Houdini, in addition to becoming such a success, even though he's from a poor immigrant family, which is a story in itself, is that he did a lot of things nobody else ever would even dream of doing or, or attempt to do but you know he's the first person to fly a plane over australia like the wright brothers had done in america um wow. he set, set a record with that he also of course was a movie star as well um, and really no magician since his time has ever been a movie star um, you can argue that david copperfield was in some films some but but houdini had his own film company he had his own films and the reason he didn't really make it as a movie star prime and this was the silent era but the reason he didn't really make it as a movie star was because he was not a great lover on screen he was very uncomfortable kissing women actresses um and at that time we had ruta valentino and all that but the great part of houdini was that if you go back to those films and there was four of them uh you will see him actually performing escapes as he performed them on stage so they're a living record of his incredible escapes and he did incredible things i mean he you know a lot of people know him for the straight jacket hanging upside down all that but he did crazy things too i mean um he was locked in, inside of a squid one time i mean he, was, he did things that were insane you know um and he was very good on screen it just he wasn't a lover on screen and that's what people went flocked to see in
2: those days the they wanted.
3: yeah but every all of his escapes were legit on those films um and if you want to really see what he actually could do well that was the way to do it and of course there's so much misunderstandings about how he passed away because um mm-hmm. a lot of people think he died in this water torture or like with the the tony curtis movie which we all <laughs> that's our favorite probably right. but you know they showed him bumping into a illusion backstage and you know his appendix getting damaged from that but really what happened was he was up in canada and he was um on tour. And he did a, um, he he had this challenge where anybody could punch him in the stomach and he could take any punch. Mm-hmm. Well, there were some college kids that came back to interview him. He was just sitting on the couch reading a newspaper. They asked him about that. And he didn't know that the kid was going to punch him immediately. And he punched him when he wasn't reg- ready. And then boom, he got, he, you know, he got really injured and he was in the hospital for like 10 days before he died on October of, mm-hmm. of 1926. But there's another side of that too, in that, a lot of people believe he had been warring on the spiritualists and warring on them, trying because he was so upset trying to reach his mother, and he exposed so many of these spiritualists that were not real. And he even went to Washington D.C. and before Congress and demonstrated methodology that these spiritualists used. And so there was a there's a theory that it might have been a spiritualist that sent you know wanted him dead and sent a, someone in there to do this to him. So there's that too. But um, a lot of mystery to Houdini right now, some of the latest things that have come up is that he may have been a spy for America during the war, um, and that he actually, when he toured over to Germany and other countries, he was doing some undercover spy work for our country. So there's a lot of interesting information. It's all coming out. There's books about it. Some of it may be authentic, some not. But the point is, his myth or his legend, his mythic legend, is bigger than ever today, almost 100 years later.
2: Absolutely. I tell I you what, Michael. Uh, the one thing I really liked is what you mentioned. You know, is is uh, in his later years, uh, you know, like a few years before his death, he did come down on the fraudulent spiritualist, Which you know, there was some there was some crazy stuff going. On. If you if you read the book by Julian Proskauer, Spook Crooks, I mean, it'll give you some examples. I mean, oh my goodness, the stuff that was you know, done was unreal, man.
1: You know, there's one thing that you guys also, I, I mean, I know you guys mentioned, I think Mike mentioned before. Houdini, when he did those films, one is called the Master of, uh, what is it, Michael, Master of? uh...
3: Well, there's the Master Mystery, if that's what you're referring to. The Master
1: Mystery had a robot appear. That was the first time any type of automaton or robot made it to the major motion picture. Mm -hmm. So back in 1912, I think it was, it was a Spanish newspaper that actually had a model kit that you could make. And put together. Now, the last known copy of this sold at, I think, Sotheby's or some type of auction house for either 7000 or $700. I don't remember. But the good news is, especially now since Houdini's anniversary and stuff, is that between me and Dave Harborset, we've been talking about this and stuff. And I got somebody to redraw those original plans. Nice. Uh, so we're going to be coming out with a set of plans that you'll be able to put together that same wow, Houdini robot. That's- yeah, that, that
3: predates actually Houdini because his film was in 1919. So it somewhat predates it, but that was what they based it off of, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what was, there's a lot of controversy about that too, Eddie, because the robot, which was the first robot ever seen on film, um, was actually at the end, it turned out that there was a human in it that was uh, you know, in a robot outfit. But for me, that image of the robot was always what, I thought was a robot. You know, most of us didn't see the silent film when we were little because it wasn't available. Now it's available. You can see it on, um, for instance, on YouTube, but, mm-hmm. um, but to all of us, that was a robot. So it, with experts in the sci-fi world, they're saying, well, that wasn't the legitimate first robot in a film, but yet it really, because it was a human in it. But in reality, to all of us, that was a robot. And that's Absolutely. why we thought a robot. You, you know, you, if you,
0: you look at those films and they're, they're, all ro- all those robots had had a person, no, what was really? a person inside of it. So I, I would think that you would have to go with what, you know, it actually is. Yeah. It's portrayed a- as a robot. So I would think that you would have to say, yeah, it could, because like you said, Mike, you know, the, the kids and everyone, they thought that was a, a robot. Oh yeah. If, you know, you look at the, the, you know, the future serials in the twenties and thirties, when they had robots, it was still guys in suits. So it wasn't an actual robot per se it was a person in a suit just because they were outed in the movie as being a person in the suit you know for the plot line or whatnot doesn't make it you know less of a robot well, yeah agree. and, that, and it,
3: it wasn't until the last chapter of that serial that they actually exposed that so depending on what you saw but yeah it kind of was the mold the you know the, the right. image of that, robot forever
1: right. that's exactly what i meant to say and you know what mike now that you said about the date on that is very interesting because. I believe, unless I'm wrong, that the article might have been dated. But I, if you look it up, and it's called, um, it's actually in Spanish, because it's written in Spanish. Oh. And I think it's called Houdini versus the Tin Man, or Houdini versus the, um, what the heck is it called? My gosh, I forgot right now. But it, I think, it, I'm almost positive, unless, you know, I could be wrong now that you, you said the date, it might be. one. But I, I, it's based on that. It is the robot from the movie um now you're going to make me do some research on this um, joe you got a computer why don't you do some research well, well, while,
0: well, while you're checking that out we're going to wrap it up here because we're down to a little bit less than than two minutes so i want to thank all of our guests for tonight for coming on and a huge thank you to all of our listeners out there for spending some time with us and listen to us ramble about you know our, our passions and our love and all that. Because <laughs> that's what we do pretty much every week that's that's all this is, unscripted, and it's just a, a nice conversation. So, you know, you can find this on your favorite uh, podcast platform. Definitely, you know, subscribe to us. Uh, give us a good review if you so choose, if you're enjoying it. Also, head over to our YouTube page. Just type in House of the Unusual. It'll pop up. Subscribe to our channel. Um, hit the notif- notification button. Leave some comments. Uh, Eddie and Chuck are always putting up some great videos up there, and they're not long. You know, they're fairly short. And they are an absolute blast. Definitely check them out. Also, our flagship site, houseoftheunusual.com. We have a forum site there. So those uh, crazy toys that I was talking about earlier, you can find all the pictures on there and more. There's some great items that people show up there of their uh, their collection or stuff that they're looking for. Awesome, awesome time. So uh, once again, I want to thank everybody out there for joining us. We are here every week. So Make sure you find this every week. And like we de- just got done discussing, you know, uh, this will be coming out either late tonight or on the 24th. So a happy birthday to Harry Houdini, because in some way or another, whether you know it or not, he's touched all of us uh, in-, in our lives or, or influenced yep. us in one way or another. So definitely a huge happy birthday to him and a thank you for all that he he did throughout his life and his career. So, gentlemen, that's all I got. So thank you all for joining us, and good night. All right, good night. good bless
1: everybody. And, guys, I sent both of you guys a link of to what the robot thing looks like. Cool. Oh. Um, talk to you soon. Okay,
2: okay thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye.